This is Ephesians 4, 7 through 13. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave, gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower, earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fulfill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I am enjoying myself so much. Uh, I'm sorry if I just end up partying, but uh, that's the, the slight danger. The danger in coming back um, to the old church is that I can't remember what stories I've told <laughs> and what I haven't. Andy tells me not to worry about that because she's quite sure I've told all my stories uh, to St. Barnabas. So uh, the best ones deserve repetition anyway. Um, and I'm betting anyway on you not being able to remember them all. Uh, that's the danger with getting a bit older. You start losing things. You know, most, most men lose three things as they get older. Uh, they lose, firstly, a bit of hair. Secondly, they lose a bit of memory. And I can't quite remember what the third thing is. I, I knew I was getting older the other day when I leant down to um, tie my shoelaces up. And I found myself thinking, I wonder what else I can do whilst I'm down here. But it's really dangerous in, in telling jokes if you lose your memory, if you forget the punchline. Um, so one of my favorite stories, which Andy forbids me to tell most of the time, but which I'm going to hear, is remind you of uh, the bishop, the leading figure in the Church of England, who was invited to address the national conference of uh, Mother's Union. Uh, 6,000 mothers and their supporters were expected at this gathering in the Albert Hall. And the bishop was rather um, worried about what to say to them. And he desperately wanted to get them on side and wondered about some opening introduction. And then the Sunday before he was going there, a young, he went to a church to do confirmation. A young curate was preaching who began his sermon by saying, I want you to know that I spent the happiest days of my life in the arms of another man's wife. And there was a shocked silence in the congregation. And after a moment, the curate said, she was my mother. <laughs> and everybody went, ah. And the bishop thought, what a brilliant story for the mother's union. That will go down a treat. So sure enough, on the great day, they were all there. He got up. He began well enough. He remembered how to start. 
Ladies, I want you to know that I spent the happiest days of my life in the arms of another man's wife. And sure enough, there was a shocked silence and one or two tuts and people looking at each other. Then the bishop forgot <laughs> what the punchline was. And he heard himself saying, and I can't for the life of me remember who she was. <laughs> Thank you, okay. Let's get to Ephesians 4 and Paul's next argument about the consequences of unity. And that is our right to experience and use the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings to our unity, verses 7 to 13. And what the apostle is doing here is drawing on one of the Old Testament Psalms, Psalm 68. And he takes the picture of the conquering king returning to Mount Zion and bringing a train of captives, which was the practice in those days to show the extent of their victory, and applies it to Christ and says, this is what Jesus did, he conquered death. And he was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. And now he has sent these gifts to all his people. I want to underline three things in particular. And the first is this. These gifts are given to each. Verse 7. Did you notice that? but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. The Holy Spirit, of course, was around from the beginning, part of the Godhead, not surprising. He was there in creation, hovering over the waters. But in the Old Testament, by and large, his ministry was coming to particular individuals at special times to do specific works, kings and prophets and people with artistic gifts like Bezalel and others. And so you had to go to the person who was anointed with the Spirit to be sure of hearing the word of God. And if you were already a member of a synagogue, you had to go to a special place, probably a special person, and uh, sit and wait for what they might say. But over time, God began to promise that he was going to do a new thing. That the day would come when his spirit would be given much more widely. The prophets began to foretell that, that God was going to do something new. Jeremiah said the day was coming when God would write his law on our hearts, that he would do a, a, a new work in our hearts. And then Ezekiel went further and talked about a heart transplant, that God would take out the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh, his own heart, the spirit. And uh, Joel saw a day when God would pour out his spirit on all who believe, men and women, would prophesy, young and old would have dreams, and visions. That's Joel 2.28. No barriers, in other words. No special people. Every believer, whatever your sex, 
whatever your age, whatever your class, whatever your education. What a fantastic promise. And then hundreds of years go by uh, without anything. That's God's sense of timing, so different from ours. And then Jesus came and he promises the same and suddenly the Holy Spirit is released in a very special way and after his ascension, uh, we have what we know as the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit um, is poured out on all the believers there. I'm not making this up, this is all in the Bible. And when the Spirit fell on the people, some made fun. People will always make fun of the work of the Holy Spirit. But Peter gets up and says, no, these guys haven't had too much to drink. It's only nine o'clock in the morning, the pubs aren't even open. This is what was prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures. And he, he actually quotes from Joel. What this all adds up to for us is the extraordinary privilege that we have of living in the days when the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all who believe. That means you and me as well. Every believer in coming to Christ receives the Holy Spirit. And all over the world, God's Holy Spirit is at work. More and more people in more and more places. Huge numbers of converts in China, somewhere between 60 and 100 million. Nobody quite knows. Likewise, in Africa and South America and parts of Asia as well. As ever, Europe is somewhat behind. But God is at work here in our continent too, in Scandinavia in particular, Eastern Europe, and, and even in France, the vicar assures me. Hallelujah. Um, my, my French story uh, deserves repetition <laughs> because it's a true one. This was a, a, about a, a guy who came to St. Barnabas and came on Alpha. He was a Frenchman and he was called Jean-Pierre. Why do all these French guys have double barrel Christian name? Sorry, Jean-Luc. Um, um, anyway, obviously one isn't enough. Jean-Pierre was what I regarded in my naughty way as a stereotypical Frenchman. Delightful bachelor. Full, he was a diplomat in the embassy, full of um, fun, and, um, but God was getting hold of him. I knew it was going to be a good alpha weekend because he arrived in his sports car and I saw him from my room uh, opening the, the boot of his little two-seater and inside was a whole crate of what I discovered was some very good wine. <laughs> uh, during the week, God was really speaking to him and he, he took me to one side um, once and he said, Jean, this is my French accent in case you don't recognize it. It's also my uh, West Indian accent, but it can, it can vary. Anyway, Jean, he said, uh, tell me about what the Bible says about the girls. And um, so um, we went for a walk and I explained very clearly and sensitively the Bible's standards as far as uh, relationships between the sexes. And he listened without saying anything for about 10 minutes. And we came to a halt in a glade 
And all I remember him doing was saying, Mon Dieu, it is worse than I thought. <laughs> anyway, the, we prayed that God would give him strength. He came in very white-faced a little while later to say he'd been transferred to Damascus. Uh, so that was one way of God answering his prayer. So God is at work even amongst the French. Praise, praise him. Now, if this is correct, if we've all been given the Holy Spirit, if we've all been given gifts, then that includes you and me. For goodness sake then, we need to identify them and use them. You don't need to worry about pride. These gifts are not a sign of maturity. They're simply a sign of generosity, of God's great generosity, that he would give even to sinners like you and me these wonderful gifts of the Holy Spirit. So how can you use what the Holy Spirit has given you for the church at St. Barnabas? That's the question you need to be grappling with. Let's come on to the variety of gifts here. Look at verse 11. Some of the gifts are, are listed clearly, um, but other spiritual gifts, as well as apostles and prophets, evangelists and pastor teachers, which go together, there are lists in 1 Corinthians 12 and, and uh, 11, uh, uh, Romans 12. Um, they add up to quite a list, and even they aren't necessarily complete. There are likely to be many, many more gifts that the Holy Spirit gives as is necessary in any situation. Isn't that wonderful? Whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, we can cry, Lord, I, I need your help. Spirit, I need your gift for this or that at the moment. His resources are limitless. This not surprisingly, underlines the huge diversity of gifts. The Ephesian church was a right mixture, Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, men and women well-educated and those intellectually challenged. But God had brought them together in a local church, body of Christ, community. And as one body, they were a witness to the world of what God could do. Now God hasn't changed. The Holy Spirit hasn't changed, nor has his church. St. Barnabas strikes me as a right mixture. Great, praise the Lord. What a wonderful, diverse group you are. Different nationalities, different languages, different backgrounds, different in so many ways. And yet, you are part of God's one body there in Addison Road for the locality. So use your gifts. The best book on identifying your spiritual gifting that I know about is still Eric Reese's book, Shape. Uh, he is on the staff 
of Rick Warren's church, Saddleback, one of the really big mega churches in uh, the States. And it encourages us, as well as our spiritual gifts, to look at our, our heart, our abilities, our personality, and our experience, hence shape, um, to work out where we best fit in to our local body of Christ. So we, we need to do that. That's a, a good tool. I'm sure that there are others uh, that may be used in your church or may be available. But it's this combination, as well as your gifting, working out what your, what your heart is for, acknowledging your abilities, each is important. You have natural, undoubted abilities. You use them at work. Some of you have very responsible jobs. Well, you can use the same talents for the kingdom. Don't leave them at the office or the school or the hospital. Maybe it's passion for you. Maybe you, you're just aware of a passion that you have, a passion for the, for the downtrodden, perhaps. God gave you that. You can't do anything about it. It's just there. Well, harness it for the kingdom. You may have had, well, you will have had experience of some sort, obviously. You may have had terrible experience. A broken marriage, an abortion, the loss of a loved one. I don't want to minimize those difficulties, but I am saying that God can use those, those experiences as well, he can redeem them and use them for the kingdom. It means that only you will be able to talk to some people because of your experiences. We tend to concentrate on the more spectacular gifts, like prophecy and tongues, I love those gifts. Which is fine, but in preparation I actually felt God wanted to underline some of the less glamorous gifts. Um, so let me mention just a few of those that are so important in church life. Administration. I'm not naturally good at this one. Um, I'm a big picture person and I get easily bored and easily deflected. So I'm a disaster uh, when it, I can plan, I can dream, uh, but actually making sure uh, that it is carried out is not my forte. So I praise God for those with the gift of um, completing finishing. Um, they are so important. You may not think it's very spectacular, but the church will crumble without it. So honor and bless and encourage those with those gifts. Hospitality, a wonderful gift. Are you willing to open your home? That's a major way that the church grew in the early days. And it's still a way that people come to Christ. Mercy, what a wonderful gift. In our church in Brighton, where we are now, some years ago, a housewife was moved, like many of us, by seeing the scenes of devastation that some of the refugees were experiencing in, in Syria. But she wasn't just moved, she decided to take action. 
she started collecting good clothes for refugees. It's been going on a few years now, and the organization has spread. And now thousands of boxes of good quality clothing has been sent out in the name of Jesus to these folk. So they open their boxes, and it's not just our secondhand cast-offs. It's, it's good quality stuff, and it says something. I was a bit hurt, actually, because one of my best shirts was rejected as <laughs> not good enough. One person allowing their mercy to overflow in action. Let me mention three gifts that we all have, though some may develop them as a particular ministry. One is giving. All believers want to support God's work through using their time, talents, and treasure. And how good that you have the opportunity uh, in the coming days to get behind uh, what's happening here at the church uh, in gift day. Now, I know Kensington is a mixed economy. And I know there are some folk who can only just make ends meet. But I know too that there are some that God has blessed with financial resources and connections that can move mountains, spiritually speaking. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26, Paul says, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. That verse meant a great deal to Selina Hastings. This is a, a picture of her coming up. <laughs> She's the one on the right, yeah. Um, looks rather formidable lady. She was the Countess of uh, Huntingdon in the 18th century. And she said about that verse, she was so glad for the M, rather than it being not any of you were wise or rich or influential or of noble birth. She was so glad for the M and how awful it would have been for that to be missing. And she used her wealth and her aristocratic connections to fuel the Christian revival of Methodism and to finance the building of... 64 chapels, as well as funding mission work in colonial America. Giving can be key. God loves the generous giver. Some of you will remember Henrik and Jutta Gangstad. Um, he was a very successful director for Coca-Cola from Denmark. But he found Christ and healing um, at St. Barnabas, and they wanted to support... Christian mission, and I remember meeting uh, with Henrik in the study in Addison Road, and he explained how he wanted to set up a, a charity, and wanted me to be a trustee, and I thought, oh golly, this is, is this more meetings? And then he told me how much they were putting into it. I said I'd be a trustee. <laughs> serious wealth that they decided in thanksgiving for what God has done, for the gift the Spirit had given them in expressing their gratitude. And so um, up and down the land, um, 
that foundation, the Christian Health Foundation, has continued to give generously to the advancement of the kingdom all over the world, including getting behind um, the St. Barnabas Initiative with the French-speaking congregation. Let's pray for a few, not many, if you see what I mean. People so touched by the Spirit, so grateful to God that they feel it right to use their resources, connections, whatever it may be, for, for the kingdom. Evangelism is something we're all called to. Some of us are very gifted. My, my wife is an irritatingly good evangelist. We'll always talk to anybody about Jesus. And, you know, I'm sitting on a plane looking forward to just watching the film and I hear her speaking to the next door passenger, uh, where are you going? As if the plane was going anywhere else. Than... <laughs> but I know where she's going to is, you know, where are you going with the rest of your life? And, and it's wonderful. Now, not all of us are like that. But all of us are witnesses, whether we like it or not. We're either a good witness or a bad witness. And I'm not talking about all of us being so gifted in necessarily leading people to Christ, but all of us can be involved in sharing our story. We each have a story. Story is powerful. The best book recently on this gift is from Rico Tice. One on from the Countess, I think. Oh, maybe, don't worry. Anyway, uh, it's called Honest Evangelism. Uh, the great thing about it is, it's, it's small, easy to read, it, it's realistic, and it's practical. He acknowledges how difficult it is, uh, but he gives some really helpful suggestions. Again, there's some copies on the, on the bookstore. Um, and then the last gift that we can all exercise is encouragement. And that's always been one of the hallmarks of St. Barnabas Church, one of the hallmarks of St. Barnabas himself, um, whose name was actually Joseph, but he was such an encourager as well as a giver that they changed his name to Barnabas, son of encouragement. And I, I love that gift of encouragement, that spirit of uh, encouragement. And we can all encourage. I was one of four boys, and uh, we, when our fourth, we had three boys, and then our fourth child was uh, expected, and so uh, I assumed that this was going to be a boy, and uh, we were going to call him Barnabas. And then we had this girl. <laughs> and I couldn't persuade my wife to call her Barnabina. <laughs> so Rebecca she is, but she has been a huge uh, encouragement. And encouragement has been, I think, a real hallmark of your church, our church. Um, and many, many have spoken about um, feeling encouraged by God at work amongst you. So don't let go of that anointing, that particular gifting. Always be those who encourage. We need, though, to remember the purpose of these gifts. It's not just to show them off. As I say, they're not a, a sign of maturity, they're a 
simply a, a sign of God's goodness and generosity. We can't point to giving encouragement, prophecy and, as medals and say, look at my lot. Uh, but they are to be used, verse 12, Christ gave these gifts to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Terry Fulham was a, a preacher and church leader in a place called Darien in the States. And the church used to have a fairly typical sign outside, Church of Darien, Minister the Reverend Terry Fulham. Um, after his own experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit, one thing he did was to change that sign. It still read Church in Darien, but then it had underneath it Pastor Terry Fulham ministers the whole congregation. Now, I'm not suggesting you do that, but the principle is great. We cannot leave it all to our leaders, our home group leaders, our church leaders, however good and gifted they are. We are all gifted. We are all responsible. We can all be used by God to build up his kingdom. We're all gifted by him so that the body of Christ may be built. So in what ways are you serving God's church? Because you are vital. You're part of the body. The body only functions together. John Wimber again made the point in his usual pithy way. He once said, and I quote, if you are saved, you ought to be serving. If you're not serving, I check whether you're saved. Okay, that's enough talking. I think that the Spirit wants to underline his gifting in us as individuals so that we can bless the whole, so we can build up uh, the body. I think he wants to uh, underline some people who already know what their gifting is and are already stepping out in it. I, I guess he will want to release new gifting in others. Even as I've talked, some of you thought, yeah, that's me, or that's my passion, or yes, that's right for me. And so in a moment, I'm going to invite us to stand. I'm going to pray a, a general prayer, asking the Spirit to move as he wants to amongst us. And what I'd like us to do then is, is respond. And um, there's more space at the back. So bad luck, you folk at the back who thought you were safe. Um, I'm going to encourage us, uh, after I pray, to, the band will come forward and, uh, and play quietly uh, with the worship. But if, if you're wanting to use your gifts, then take this opportunity to be prayed for. The prayer team will go to the back as well. Uh, and just underline, that's, that's for your sake. You know, God knows what your gifting is. God knows what he wants to use you for. It's so that you can remember, yes, I did step forward or backwards um, at, at that church weekend. I did say yes to this, Lord, and I'm going to go on uh, being willing to be used by you uh, even in, in the difficult times. Is that okay? Let's stand together then.
Holy Spirit, we're helpless without you. But with you, we can attempt what is otherwise beyond us. Lord, this chapter begins with the end of the previous chapters. Paul praising you because you're able to do far more than we can ask or imagine. This is the the God that we worship and and praise. And and so, Lord, we ask you to, to come now and to fan the flame of your giftings in this church. Come, Holy Spirit, and give us strength to respond, to be willing to to step out, to receive prayer, and to go with what you're speaking to us about. Some of you are probably feeling certain things. Often our bodies um, lead us in this. God's Spirit is the spirit of experience. Everything we experience of God is by the Holy Spirit. And he touches our bodies as well as our minds and our spirits. if your hands are tingling, well, that, that's often a, a sign of being wanting to use in pastoral ministry and in healing to reach out to the, the hurting and the lonely and bring Christ's healing. Some of your f- feet are wanting to move, just um, a bit of tingling heat in your feet. That's often a, a sign of evangelism. Well, blessed are those feet who bring good news. Some of you have eyes being touched. Just the emotions touching you there, and often that's a sign of of a calling to mercy and and prayer, intercession often, weeping for God's world and crying out to Him. Well, whatever you're feeling or not feeling, if you want to be used by by God in this church, then then do let's pray for one another now. In Jesus' name, amen.